Welcome to Audit Talk with Audit 360, where we will take a quick dive into the world of credit union audits, making the complex simple, and bringing you the latest trends and best practices in the field. This podcast is produced by Make Account Media, and our producer is Callie. Hi, I'm Callie, and the host of Audit Talk is the experienced auditor, Peter Rasmussen, with 25 years of experience navigating the credit union industry. Each week, we'll be breaking down the ins and outs of auditing, exploring real-life findings, and interviewing industry leaders who will share their valuable insights. From risk assessments to compliance, internal controls to fraud detection, we leave no ledger unturned. Our mission is to make auditing understandable, engaging, and applicable to everyone. Join us on this journey. Whether you're commuting, working out, or sipping your favorite beverage, Audit Talk is your go-to source for all things auditing. Stay tuned for a blend of expertise, humor, and aha moments. This is Audit Talk, where knowledge is your strongest asset. Let's get started. Thank you, Peter. It's great to be here again. Today, we have a crucial topic to discuss, the importance of accounts payable function, the accounts payable approval process, and the 1099 NEC form. Okay, before we start, we, we said we would have some humor to these podcasts. So the first joke. Why are the auditors so cool, calm, and collected? Hmm. Why? They have strong internal controls. Oh, that... good one. All right, back to accounts payable. These might seem like routine aspects of business operations, but they play a vital role in maintaining financial health and compliance for a credit union. Let's start with accounts payable. Peter, why is it essential for credit unions to have a robust accounts payable system? I'll start right in with the accounts payable fraud, also known as AP fraud. It's among the most abundant and damaging of frauds that affect businesses of all sizes. It's also among the easiest frauds to perpetrate, since most of the money leaving a company legitimately goes through the accounts payable function. Many of the red flags for accounts payable fraud are the same as red flags for any other type of fraud. For example, if you notice employees living behind their means, not taking vacations, withholding information, engaging in reckless behavior, it's wise to investigate further. I know reckless behavior is a bit subjective. Like I wouldn't jump out of a perfectly good airplane like some people. I have, and I would definitely go uh, skydiving again. Oh boy. One area that is not included in the minimum procedures of the NCUA's supervisory committee audit is a master vendor file audit. From an audit standpoint, this is one area that I think should be included in the procedures, but is not. I would recommend that the credit union on their own review their master vendor file periodically for several reasons. One, just from an efficiency standpoint, is to remove vendors that are no longer used, or at least change the status of these vendors to inactive. Another reason is to look for red flags, such as vendors that don't seem familiar, large payments to one vendor, or increases in payments to one vendor without corresponding increases in goods or services. We'd also want to look at the vendor contact information. Is it up to date? Are we sending the invoice to the correct address? Do we have a W-9 on file, et cetera? Yeah, we for sure have to watch out for those red flags. A W-9 form you mentioned, what's that? The W-9 form is used to provide your correct taxpayer identification number to the person who is required to file an information return with the IRS. For example, I would complete a W-9 and send to my client so that they could use the information to file a 1099 NEC 
with the IRS and issue a 1099 NEC to me. Not to dig too deep, but there are also a 1099 miscellaneous, which would be issued to different parties than on the 1099 NEC. All right. I heard you say the 1099 NEC form quite a few times. Could you explain what that form is and why it's important for credit unions? Certainly, Callie. The 1099 NEC form is used to report non-employee compensation, including payments to independent contractors like me, who are not organized as a C-Corp or S-Corp or other individuals. For example, the credit union may have a lawnmower, a landscaper, snowplower, uh, window washing, even attorneys, depending on how they are organized, that are required to receive a 1099 NEC. These are required to be filed and sent by January 31st of each year. Oh, so your client should be sending this form to you? Absolutely. All right, so why is this form critical? The IRS requires businesses, including credit unions, to report payments exceeding $600 made to non-employees during the tax year using the 1099 NEC or 1099 miscellaneous form. Failing to do so can lead to penalties and legal consequences. Penalties for 2024 range from $60 to $310 per form, higher if the IRS proves intentional disregard. Wow, I would not want to pay for that penalty. Yeah, me either. All right, let's discuss accounts payable approval process within credit unions. Why is it essential to have a well-defined approval process in place? It's crucial for maintaining internal controls. Uh, and as mentioned in the joke earlier, auditors like internal controls. With a clear approval process, credit unions can prevent fraud, errors, and unauthorized transactions. It's about accountability and safeguarding the members' funds. Each invoice should include, at a minimum, of who approved the invoice to be paid with their initials and date. Sounds like an effective approval process also fosters transparency within the organization. It ensures that decisions are made collectively, reducing the risk of single points of failure. In addition, Callie, during audits, a well-documented approval process provides an auditor with the confidence that financial transactions have been reviewed and approved in accordance with the credit union's policy and procedures. A definition of the accounts payable process includes receiving the purchase order, a PO, from the procurement team. I know none of my clients have one of those. Placing the order, receiving the goods or service, comparing what was ordered with what is received, receipt of the vendor's invoice, cross-referencing the PO with the invoice, and ultimately authorizing the final payment to the supplier. In the smaller shops, and even in the bigger shops, there isn't a PO process. It's mostly verbal. Hey, president, we need some copy paper. The paper is ordered by the president. Maybe the paper is received in by someone else. President receives the invoice. President asks, did we get that paper we ordered? And then they pay for it. No segregation of duties in that common scenario. Some shops will have a fixed asset policy, which the board has approved a dollar amount of what needs board approval and what doesn't. Usually, it will also define what can be expensed immediately and what can be brought in as a fixed asset. This helps us a, a bit define who can approve what and at what dollar amount, but really, we like to see the approver and disperser to be separated. Ideally, and I know this isn't possible in all smaller shops, 
But we auditors, examiners, like to see a separation of duties throughout the accounts payable process. To sum it all up, whether it's managing the accounts payable function, handling the 1099 NEC miscellaneous reporting, or establishing a robust approval process, credit unions should consider these aspects to maintain financial health, compliance, and trust. That's right. These may seem like routine processes, but they form the foundation of a strong and resilient credit union. Oof. We've covered a lot today, but that's all the time we have. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Audit Talk. Thank you for tuning in to Audit Talk with Audit 360, your gateway to the world of auditing where insightful discussions lead the way. We hope today's episode has provided you with valuable insights that can be implemented into your day-to-day -day operations. Don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast to stay up to date with our upcoming episodes. We value your feedback and suggestions, so feel free to reach out to Peter via email. Your thoughts and ideas shape the content we create. Until next time, remember, if it's not documented, it didn't happen. This is Peter signing off from Audit Talk. Thank you for listening. Oh,